Step into the world of healthcare from an immersive point of view with the Symmetry Health 360 podcast. Join us as we unravel the complexities of the industry, exploring the latest trends, innovations, and healthcare policies with expert guests, thought-provoking discussions, and patient-centered stories. Tune in now for a 360-degree perspective on health. Thank you for joining this episode of Symmetry Health 360. My name is Hugh McBride, and I will be your host for today's podcast. I'm happy to welcome Justin Gaines to the podcast. My name is Justin Gaines. I am the president of Greenpoint Med, a symmetry company. We are specialists in the behavioral health, billing, and revenue cycle management area. And we focus on helping providers and practices run the billing side of their organization more efficiently. Fantastic. And this is a question I probably should have asked at the outset, but I did want to verify. And I know we've both mentioned the fact that behavioral health does occupy a a unique space in, in the insurance environment. And often when we talk about behavioral health, that's an umbrella term that can refer both to mental health services and substance abuse services or addiction. Is it common for a policy to have a separate behavioral health deductible from medical services? And then within behavioral health, would policies perhaps have one deductible for mental health, one deductible for substance abuse? Really? Or is, there, is, is it possible that they don't have deductibles for those services? It's really all the above here. You could see insurance plans where there's one deductible that covers everything, mental health, substance abuse, and medical. You could see some policies where there's a deductible for maybe substance abuse services that are done at more of an intensive level, IOP or intensive outpatient, but not behavioral health. You could have some policies that have no deductibles at all. So each policy is different, which then necessitates checking each one in a lot of cases, because we can't take all Blue Cross plans for a practice and say, and make a blanket statement to say, well, all of these Blue Cross plans are not going to have deductibles. We have to check each one. We have to know what the deductible is, if it applies, and then we have to know what the copay or coinsurance will be after that deductible is met, and then we have to be able to track that as the new year gets started. So there are many elements to it. Insurance could make it easy on us by saying all benefits are going to be under one deductible or one copay, but unfortunately, that's not how the system is set up, so it requires the need to really check everyone. You're really good at this because you're leading right into the next question that I had in mind. When you talked about, so some of this work may be done in-house, and you mentioned reaching out for support, and that could be bringing in a consulting firm or a third party to help with this processes. But then there's also the communication between the behavioral health care organization and the insurance provider themselves. And, and it's not just with deductible resets. Obviously, that's the important topic that we're talking about today. But there's lots of times when the behavioral health organization needs to get in touch with the payer, needs to confirm information. And this is pulling back a bit. But do you have some general advice with what is the best way to or is there a standard best way to communicate with payers, to reach out and, and to maintain that that positive relationship so that if challenges like this come up, it can be solved collaboratively rather than feeling like it's a a combative environment or one side versus the other? Well, I think communicating with insurers always presents a certain set of challenges. You're communicating with call centers that may be overseas. You're communicating with reps that may not be as adequately trained as we would want them to be. And also the lingo that 
we get from different insurance companies that effectively says the same thing is different. So just as a side example, we may get a denied claim back from an insurance company or from one insurance company, and the denial may be for one thing, and it's said a certain way, but then we get a denial back from another insurance company, and it was denied for the same reason, but it's said in a completely different way. So the lingo itself also presents its own challenges. I would encourage folks to use their EHRs, to use the provider portals as much as possible. You have to get on the phone sometimes, so when you do, make sure you have detailed questions that you can ask and follow up. And then, of course, if it's just not making sense, an outsource service like a Greenpoint Med could be a good option. When we engage in these type of efforts with our customers and our clients, we are really looking to break down the insurance lingo in a form and a way that's easy to understand, moving away from a different language almost to try to just break it down. So it's something that the organization and the providers and the, the administrators can understand and also be able to turn around and have that with a patient. So that's really what we try and do when we communicate with our clients. But it, it is challenging and it is something that requires patience. It requires time. Um, it requires understanding. And I think all those elements together can lead to successful interactions and dialogue with insurance companies and doing it in different ways, double checking, all sorts of ways that folks can try and, and have the best communication possible with insurance payers. And staying with the communication theme, and, and you did touch on this already earlier, and I appreciate that, but I, I did want to bring it into a, a little stronger focus. Um, up till now, we've been talking about getting information from the providers or getting information, extracting information out of policies. And you did talk about patients, and obviously the patients are why the organizations, why the behavioral health care organizations exist. So when we think about deductibles, end of year changes, moving from payers to patients, do you have any advice or best practice suggestions for how to talk to patients or educate patients or get information that you need from them about their deductibles, their co-pays, or other variables that might be changing with the end of one year and the beginning of another year? So I think it goes back to just the communication, right? And anytime a patient comes in, the question should be asked, is there any change in your insurance? And especially as you get to the end of the year, it should have an added on question that says, well, is there any anticipated change to your insurance? coming up in 2024. And then I also think that at the beginning of 2024 or beginning of any new calendar year or policy year, the organization, the administrative staff, the office, whoever is coordinating with the patients should be asking, do you have a new policy? Can we have your insurance card? Always try and get that insurance card. But also making clear that it's the beginning of the year, it's the time that benefits reset, and that it's possible that there may be a change in what the patient is accustomed to paying. And then if that communication is laid out at the front and that expectation is set, it should really help make for a smoother just communication overall in collections if you have to collect from the patient with that front office. So I think having those conversations at the beginning, especially at the beginning of the year, that things reset and, and we have to be prepared for maybe some amounts owed to be different can go a long way to creating just a really positive experience and avoiding negative feelings. And that also emphasizes the, the fact that insurance is not just the responsibility of the billing department or the billing person. It's the person that's greeting the patients at the front desk. They have that role to play in communicating with the patients, asking them if there are changes or if they anticipate any changes coming up, that it really does take that entire team effort. It does. And with behavioral health, patients are being seen. There's oftentimes sensitive and, and confidential matters that are being discussed. And that's why folks are in therapy. And when you 
enter uh, money and you bring in how much is owed to that relationship, we've seen that it can create complications. And we've seen as a result, some practices and organizations maybe shy away from having that conversation because they don't inter- want to they don't want to interrupt the other interactions that they have that ongoing therapy or whatever treatment the patient is in for but at the same time practices and organizations have to remember that they are running a business and they need to make sure that they are collecting for their services so they can be able to continue to deliver what they're offering to the best of their ability. So as uncomfortable as it may be sometimes to have that conversation about what's owed and and patient amounts and things like that, it's really important that that conversation takes place both for the practice and the patient, I think. So to refer back to a question I asked about payers, and, and you did answer, I think, an important one. Again, looking at this instead of from a what should you do perspective, now taking a look at it from a what should you shy away from or what should you avoid. One thing that you mentioned is don't shy away from having those conversations with patients because, like you said, you, behavioral health care organizations need the revenue cycle to make sure that the lights stay on and they can continue to provide their services. And obviously, delaying that conversation just leads to an unpleasant surprise to the patient when they do discover that they owe more than they expected. So other than not having the conversation at all, do you notice any other common errors, mistakes that organizations make when they're dealing with keeping patients up to date about their deductibles, about other changes in their coverage? Well, I think a lot of it stems from just the dialogue. And you get to the beginning of the year, if there's a deductible that now applies, the patient is going to be responsible for that amount for the service. Whereas previously, insurance could have been paying up to 100% of that service. And I think a mistake that organizations could potentially make is if they don't catch that in the early going, if they don't catch that in January or February, that the amount that the patient owes has changed. Well, now you could turn around if there's been four, five, six, seven sessions, and there could be a pretty big balance that you're staring at that the patient owes. So I think obviously having those conversations, having that dialogue is key but also paying attention to the claims that you're submitting as they come back, running constant reports out of your EHR if you're using one to see what balances are accumulating, maybe getting a little bit too high for whatever the comfort level is of the particular organization are ways to mitigate those issues that could come up. But certainly if a practice or a provider or organization is not looking at those claims that are coming back, with dates of service in 2024, they could miss the fact that a patient now owes something different. And then that could create a big balance that comes down the road. So paying attention to the claims is important because ultimately that's where we're going to find out truly how those claims process, what the patient owes. And if there's not that dialogue taking place, that would be the next uh, way to figure it out. And one thing that you mentioned, I think you mentioned this in an interview we had, not for a podcast, but but for another blog post that we did, when you talked about just how quickly that can pile up. And I, I think one of the differences between behavioral health care and medical care, and this is a generalization, is that people who are engaging with behavioral health care services, patients, may be seeing a therapist multiple times a month, even uh, so much on a weekly basis if they're not in an inpatient or a PHP situation. That's another reason why an organization, one, needs to stay on top of this, and two, where it could be beneficial to bring in an outside resource is simply that just quantity 
In addition to the quality of it, you've got, you may have a lot more billing, significantly greater number of claims coming through on a regular basis. And look at it this way, on top of what you just said, which is absolutely right, it takes on average seven to 10 business days for a claim to process. So factor that timeline in to the overall equation. And if claims are being submitted a little bit later, a little bit after when those sessions take place, it just creates more of that environment where we find out how much the patient owes and what that balance is long after they've had three, four or more sessions and that it just adds in. So paying attention to it is very important. I know that organizations are putting their best efforts to do that, but there's a lot of billing. There are a lot of claims that are being submitted and there's a lot of patients that are looking for services. It creates this perfect storm where it could potentially overwhelm an organization if they don't have the right procedures in place. That's an area where a service like Greenpoint Med can really come in and help support and implement those best practices and policies and procedures right away. So I have to tell you the truth. Until I started uh, interviewing you, I never knew that I could be this interested in insurance. And I could listen to I could listen to you talk about it all day because number one, you clearly know what you're talking about, and number two, you clearly have a passion for for empowering people and helping people both the behavioral health care providers and the patients. I appreciate that. Thank you. It's the honest truth. And I would easily make this podcast four or five hours if I can, but you probably have other things to do. And, and I know that we're trying to shoot for about a half an hour. So just to wrap up this version, and, and hopefully we'll have a chance to revisit this or other topics in later podcasts, just on the, to pull back as we wrap it up, we've talked a lot about insurance deductibles, and what providers need to do, both in terms of reaching out to their to the payers, in terms of using technology to make sure that they're staying on top of this, and in terms of communicating with patients so that everybody, you know, quote unquote, stays on the same page and that there aren't any unpleasant surprises. So pulling back from just focusing in on deductibles and looking at insurance in general, as you look toward 2024, as Greenpoint Med looks toward 2024, are there any trends or changes or concerns that are, are up on your radar in terms of behavioral health care providers that they should be aware of as they're pre- preparing or planning for the next calendar year? There is a big change coming to the behavioral health field that is a overwhelmingly positive change that I think most folks are aware of now, but you know, there's likely some that are not. And it, it really has to do with Medicare. And previously, Medicare restricted the access to being an in-network Medicare provider to social workers. The social workers were the only master's level providers, master's level therapists that could enroll in Medicare. Now, as of January 1st of 2024, that is being opened up. So counselors and marriage and family therapists can enroll with and be on the Medicare program or be a part of the Medicare program. And they can start treating patients who have Medicare, which is a growing demographic of patients in our country. So that's going to be a huge change. And for the positive, that I think a lot of folks are going to look to be enrolling in Medicare so they could be able to offer those services. So I think that's one thing. The other aspect when it comes to insurance plans is that there are always going to be changes that insurances are making to their plans, to who processes their claims, to who processes their credentialing. And it's really important to be on top of those changes. Those changes are notified to you typically through letter and snail mail. 
oftentimes, sometimes through email, but not as frequently as, as we'd like, buried in provider newsletters that the insurance send out on page 15. But these are things that we see year in and year out. We saw it in the state of Ohio this year. We saw it in the state of Iowa this year, where there are changes that occur that if the organization is not on top of how to work through those changes. It's going to create a disruption in revenue flow because claims will get denied, claims will get rejected. And this is totally already different than talking about, let's say, deductibles resetting, and now you have to worry about collecting from the patient. These are talking about claims that are processing altogether. So if you're getting letters from insurance companies now, make sure to read them. If it's anything that seems like it could be a change in billing process for 2024, Definitely follow up on that. If you work with a billing service like our clients do at Greenpoint Med, they come right to us with that correspondence and ask what we think and what we can do and how we're preparing. And certainly go back to the insurance companies yourself if you have questions, just so you can have as much clarity as possible. Because the last thing someone wants to do is be late on a change that's coming in 2024 and then find out it's going to create a disruption in revenue flow for four to six weeks. No organization wants to be in that position. So it goes back to the proactiveness that we've talked about with deductibles and preparing for the beginning of the year. A lot of those changes are sometimes unknown. They happen quickly. Be prepared to act on them when they do. And that's a perfect ending because it's both extremely informational and I like the zen that you put into it. It's just the only constant is change. And so to be aware of, to be aware that change is coming and to always be on the lookout for what the next change is going to be. That's that's one of my, one of my favorite sayings. The only constant is change. Yes. Fantastic. Well, I tell you what, that's going to, like I said, we're pretty much up against the time. And so that'll wrap up our discussion on deductible resets and other end of year insurance topics. And Justin, I just want to thank you again for your time, for your insights, for your expertise, not just saying this to promote you. It's just the truth. I, I find that you are extremely passionate and knowledgeable about what you do. And that really shines through. So I appreciate the time that you took with us. And for our listeners, if you'd like to learn more about Justin and Greenpoint Med, which is a symmetry company, you can check out their website. They're at greenpointmed.com. Also, I'd like to thank our listeners for spending a part of your day with us. And please be sure to keep an eye and an ear out for our next episode. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, or whatever other podcast service you prefer. And you can also access our entire library of podcasts on the web at symmetryhc.show. That's S-H-O-W. And once again, you've been listening to Symmetry 360, a podcast that explores the evolving landscape of home health, hospice, and behavioral health agencies. I'm Hugh McBride, wishing you a wonderful rest of your day. Mm -hmm.